Hello and welcome to the Emotion Focus podcast, a series all about the exploration of emotions, how they work for us, how they sometimes seemingly don't work for us, and how we might understand that and possibly do something about it. I'm Lou Cooper. I'm based in Melbourne, Australia. And in this series, I'll be joined by people from around the globe who have devoted a large proportion of their professional lives to the exploration of emotions. Everything you hear on this podcast is informed by emotion theory and emotion-focused therapy. This episode, I'm Hurting, is all about emotional pain, and I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Ladislav Timolak, who is Professor of Counselling Psychology at Trinity College Dublin in Ireland. Latso, as he likes to be called, has written and co-written 10 books, including the book Transforming Emotional Pain in Psychotherapy, an emotion-focused approach. Lovely that you're joining me, Latso. I'm very excited to be here. So we're talking about hurting and pain. What does it mean when someone is hurting emotionally, when they have emotional pain? How do we define emotional pain? Overall, it's a somewhat complex question. You know, some people can articulate what they feel in language easily, and some people may just feel something and may have no words they may not be able to report on their internal hurt. Also, sometimes people know exactly why they are hurting. Let's say somebody left them or or they had a setback, they failed in something or or they were terrified by something. And sometimes people may not fully know this. They may just feel kind of very general sense of something is not being right. So I'm just saying it's a little bit complex. It's not, not that straightforward as probably would would words I'm hurting suggest. Yeah, and and as you're saying, sometimes people have words and sometimes people don't have words. And I'm wondering if sometimes people don't even know that they're in pain. That's possible, is I mean it's it's a question of um, you know how we are socialized, how we are brought up. You know, if we are encircled by people who are attentive to feelings and who kind of try to articulate in language what, what uh, you're feeling even growing up. If, let's say, caregivers around you are trying to be responsive and try to help you to articulate what you're feeling, then you may be quite good in articulating and, and even more aware and reflective and recognizing what you're feeling and, and whether something is okay or something is not. If, on the other hand, you don't have that much um, reflection from people around you you, you may not be that attuned or you may not be that um, focused on, on what you're experiencing inside. And then reporting on your personal world and, and world of feelings may be a little bit kind of less complex, I would say. You may know I'm fine or I'm not fine, but you may not have elaborate narrative language around what's happening inside. So if I hurt myself physically, if I have physical pain, you know, I fall over. And I hurt my leg and there's a gash in my leg and it might bleed and and it might bruise. And I, f- I feel that pain. What's the difference between that and emotional pain? How do we experience em- emotional pain? 
So it's it's interesting that uh, you're saying that because you know, kind of brain studies actually are showing that when you are feeling physical pain, similar parts of the brain are are active as the ones when you're feeling uh, what what we could refer to as emotional pain. For instance, if somebody let's say broke up with you in a romantic relationship, so you may be shattered inside, and actually in terms of which parts of brain are activated it corresponds quite well with uh, the, the same incident that you were, you were describing about hurting your leg. In terms of um, how the pain can be articulated or can present itself, we have several layers of, of pain. You know, something is, uh, we, we would use language not that differentiated or quite global or general. And that's uh, pain like, you know, I may feel anxious or I may feel hopeless, depressed, down. But deep down, I mean, this is studies from psychotherapy, particularly emotion-focused psychotherapy. We see that at the core of the injury are are typically, you know, when when people are most vulnerable in therapy sessions and when they share what was most painful, what was most um, difficult, what was most missing, what was most upsetting, that they tend to refer to uh, experiences that uh, can be categorized, uh, I mean, more a little bit artificially into experiences of loneliness or loss, or experiences of shame and experiences of fear. So it may come in words like I feel alone or there's nobody there for me or I lost somebody that, that was important for me or in the words like I don't have a value or I feel worthless, I'm flawed, I- inadequate or in experiences uh, of I'm unprotected, I'm scared. I'm unsafe. And these experiences correspond with, uh, you know, kind of triggering situations. Let's say if somebody leaves us or if somebody shames us or if somebody uh, threatens us or, or endanger us. I think it, these three clusters, I, I mean, are, are quite good catch-all categories of what's at the core of the pain. But, you know, the pain may show similar like when you injure your leg. There is something, you know, some tissue is injured, so that's at the core of it. But but the feelings may be spreading and maybe more global. So also when I feel, you know, let's say that I failed in something, I may feel so down and depressed and maybe subdued overall, and I may have chest pain or I may have inability or I want to sleep or, or inability to enjoy anything. So it may be multi-layer, but but it seems that at the core of the pain are, are those three clusters that I mentioned. You referred earlier to an injury. Is there necessarily an injury? Do people understand what the injury is or was? Yeah, so first of all, they may not know at some point. Yes, it's like if, if you have um, physical illness and let's say you have infection in your body, you may start to show some symptoms, but it may not be fully clear to you like what's the cause of the symptoms. Yeah? So you may have a fever or you may have a headache and, and uh, it needs to be found out. So in terms of uh, emotional pain, sometimes it may be similar situation. You know, there may be a, a sequence of triggers or there may be historical situations that happen that may make you vulnerable to something. And now they kind of a similar type of situations uh, occurs currently. And uh, without you being fully aware, you may slip into kind of, a, you know, you almost get over a certain threshold and you start to feel not okay. 
simply it was too much of a, let's say, many rejections. Yes, you experience with close ones or with friends or with colleagues and and so on. And then, then without you being fully aware, you you may suddenly start to slipping off, uh, you know, having low mood. So that would be like equivalent of having symptoms. Yes, You, you, you feel something is not quite right or you feel down. But underneath it may have, you may have not noticed that actually it was just too much of a rejection, even though it looks like subtle rejection. But it may be compounded by being sensitive to this type of rejection because there were historical events that um, you know could have made you sensitive to this type of rejections. As you're talking about that, you're you're talking about an emotional experience, which is in the body. There's something that is felt in the body, and also something that is happening in the mind you know there's a there's a verbalization of that there are words attached to that do sometimes people have one or the other so i think it's always both but as i was saying before the bodily experience is is definitely shared yeah i mean i know if someone tells me that they're in pain and i can understand that it's emotional pain my tendency is to you know, my hand to go to my heart. It's like that is where the pain is. Is that where most people feel their pain, their emotional pain? So I I think it it may vary, but I would say, yes, that the middle of the body, you know, where we have a lot of, um, I mean, a a neural network in the middle of the body is particularly dense because it supplies all organs and so on. So usually when something of uh, significance is happening to us, you know, the whole body reacts and, and, and we, can tend, we, t- we tend to feel it in the middle of the body in particular that we have strong reaction. Obviously, there are some other uh, experiences of shame. You may feel like almost um, shrinking, yes, because you don't want to be seen. Uh, the, the shame is kind of making you smaller, almost the experiences. It may be subtle feeling. Yes? If there is a fear, you know, there will be very strong reaction because you're almost preparing for run or fleeing is from situation because there is a danger. So you, you will be pumped up and, and may have very strong reaction. Uh, you, you may start to dissociate. So uh, uh, you, you may almost protect yourself by not being fully aware of certain aspects of the experience because it's becoming too much, too, too scary. Uh, let's say in the experiences of sadness that it's connected to loss or loneliness, uh, naturally tears may come. I mean, tears may come also with, some positive experiences um, of feeling uh, loving or loved. Uh, and um, uh, so, so these are also very communicative um, kind of expressions that may elicit similar re- reciprocal response from people around you as well. So I wouldn't say only in the middle of the body, but, but in the middle of the body, it's always present, I would say, yes, but you may have other parts of, of the body kind of uh, included in the overall emotional experience, but definitely middle of the body, as you said. I mean, these are distressing experiences you're describing. So surely our natural tendency is to want to get away from that experience. So, I mean, in, in the context, for, for instance, is like, um, let's say you, you have a close person, a, a, a child is that is, leaving home, is going to study to university or something, you may have very, although sad, but a very pleasant experience. I mean, that I wouldn't call it necessarily emotional pain, yes, but, you know, there is certain level of loss and so on. If you had previous losses, maybe, you know, 
kind of bring some associations or something else, but it may still be bearable and fine. Yes, but then particularly at the core of what people seek help uh, for, I mean, in therapy or so, are experiences that were too much yes? that that are somehow impacting on on everyday functioning to the extent that it's difficult to be with them, is that, that it's difficult to feel them in a way that would be bearable. And in such cases, as you say, it may feel too much. And uh, automatically, you know, out, out of our awareness, we may have um, self-protective mechanisms not to feel. You know, sometimes we do it by, let's say, exercise or, you know, drinking alcohol or whatever to not to feel certain things or in, in less adaptive, I mean, not that alcohol is adaptive, but even less adaptive ways, sometimes people to self-harming may distract themselves from emotional pain. But sometimes we just basically may go automatically numb or, or not be aware how we constrain or constrict by body posture and so on, and almost brace ourselves for, for experience. And yes, uh, it may mean that, that what's painful, it's... Um, being either avoided or or numbed down or you know kind of controlled or constricted and and so on. So I, I mean, if this is what you meant, yeah, I mean, I think that's a very common part of or being in touch with uh, something that we can refer to as emotional pain. Yeah, and I'm guessing a lot of people would end up seeking help, perhaps, for those reactions rather than the pain itself for the for the numbing out or for the alcohol use or for whatever it is. Yeah, that's true. So people may also seek help because, you know, they may not sleep well, so there may be physiological impact of, of pain. So that's not necessarily that they are somehow avoiding the pain or, or trying to protect themselves by constraining it. But but they may have, uh, like, overflowing of the pain, yes, through symptoms like anxiety usually, yes, uh, difficulty with sleep, mm -hmm. anticipating further things that would, would trigger or bring more pain, or at times uh, almost shutting down in more depressive symptoms that may be combined with a sense of resignation, hopelessness, helplessness. Sometimes it may be irritability that they're just kind of not in their skin. Uh, we may feel not, not being in our skin and, and be reactive to people around us. So this may it's maybe like a surface level that that may be recognizable that something is not quite right and may may bring people to to therapy uh, that or too much kind of avoiding or or sense of sense of being constrained so yeah often it's like various symptoms that signal that something is not quite right that brings people to therapy and it's the pain itself that, if you want, you talked about the the benefits of being able to express that. It's the pain itself underneath that needs to be heard, I'm guessing. Uh, yes, yes, that, that's correct, yes. So the symptoms, difficulties, usually signal that something is not quite right. This is what I meant when I compared it. You know, when, when you have a fever, it suggests that something in your body is not quite right, yes? And then uh, you almost need to kind of heal that uh, kind of thing that was responsible for, for the fever. And uh, it's similar in therapy is that um, we see symptoms. You know, people want to have some kind of freedom from symptoms as well because they are uncomfortable if, you're, if you have sleepless nights 
you're tired and, and so on. So obviously you want to feel less kind of worried, let's say at night. So symptoms similar, like when you have physical illness, you may give some medication for, for fever as well. But ultimately we will want to see what's at the core of, of feeling not quite right is, yes? or what's at, what's at the core of um, whatever suffering that is showing is uh, in, in symptoms. And then at that core, it's usually the type of experiences that I described, you know, a few minutes earlier in, in those three clusters. Yeah. Will it go away if, if we just leave it? You know that phrase, time heals everything. Will it go away? So, you, you know, sometimes when things are too much, you know, sometimes it may be okay yeah, to wait to, to have a sense I have resources and capacity to actually to try to have a look at what's the most painful, yes, in, in, in my experience. Mm. But overall, there is usually a cost, you know, if, if I just don't want to attend to the wound, uh, it may also mean that I have to give up on, on a lot of aspects that may be important for me in my life. Let's say if, if I feel particularly, let's say, rejected or whatever, or, or abandoned and this hurts, yes, and, and I'm trying to and not pay attention to it and distract myself by whatever various strategies, there, there will be a, a sense of, first of all, I'll be avoiding further rejection and so on. Then I will not be able to stay with experiences of what I may be missing. Uh, and you know, if I go in and focus on and, and try to kind of heal the wound, I may also kind of get a sense, uh, you know, I may grieve what I didn't get or what wasn't good what I got, but it can also help me to articulate what I actually need and what I needed back then when the hurt happened, but also what I need now for myself. And all of it, if if I try to ignore it, would be basically compartmentalized and and it would kind of impoverish in, in some way my living or something is my, my, my you know, kind of how I am. Yeah? So I think that there would be a cost to ignore. Yes? I mean, obviously, sometimes we don't have capacity to go into the want. But I think in long run, uh, if we just try to ignore something that is hurting or, or painful for us, uh, there will be more cost coming with it, I think. So it's a very big uh, question, Latso, for a little podcast. But... How can we change it? How can we help our pain? So first of all, I'm a psychotherapist, so I know mainly what's happening in therapy. But, you know, I think in, in some form it, it can be replicated in any close relationship. And some of it we can do even on, on our own. But in therapy, what we are trying to help the, the person to build resources and, and feel safe enough to at their own pace to be able to touch on what's most painful and um, I, I think that's almost the sequence is that that we try to first to safely approach what's most vulnerable what's most painful where we are hurting and then stay with the, the those type of experiences and articulate what's most missing in them what's missing in them and then we are trying to kind of bring about experiences in therapy where uh, we can have experiences of that type of what a need or what we needed kind of fulfilled uh, in a way. 
I mean, in emotion-focused therapy, we do it in imaginary dialogues, but uh, in, uh, let's say, family therapy, that may be in facilitating this type of exchanges between family members. In couples therapy, it may be, uh, again, in facilitating that partners can listen to each other's most vulnerable experiences, find the courage to stay with them, to express it to each other, and find a way of being responsive to each other, as in kind of creating the type of experiences that are almost antidotes to what was hurtful in the first place. I'm sure that a lot of it can be replicated in everyday life with, um, you know, people who matter to you and with whom you can slow down, feel safe, uh, share internal experience, and then uh, they may be there with you and, and being trying to be responsive or encouraging you to get responses that you need from yourself or from people around you. Well, the words that are jumping out at me, Latso, are that this requires courage to to go, if you want, towards the pain and that needs to happen kind of in the presence with the support of someone who is kind and caring, who is, if you want, not afraid of being with that pain with you. Yeah, I think that's that's a good way to put it. I think that there is an element of courage, yes, because it's something that feels painful, yes. So it's quite difficult. It's like a little bit counterintuitive not to run from pain, mm-hmm. yes, but actually embrace it, yes. And you know, because uh, embracing will will point to the need, and that will lead eventually to something that will bring more hope. So I think courage is important. And I think it's actually easier easier with the person who is almost skilled is to be able to create that sense of safety, hopefully therapist is as well. But, you know, I think a lot of it can be done also, you know, on your own by people on their own. People often refer to finding, you know, whether it's uh, uh, in nature or in certain uh, type of activities that they do or in artistic experiences, let's say with music, where they allow themselves to go inside what's most difficult with them and they dwell in their own pain yes? and, and somehow trust that something will crystallize. And it's actually through, I, I believe, through articulation of what's needed. And then they follow, yes? the, the feeling may change uh, in, a, in a way that, that offers some, something new yes? in, in kind of more clarity what I want to or what I need to, or sometimes just grieving. Yes? It may not offer any action or anything. It may just bring an acknowledgement of what's being lost and allowing oneself to, to you know, grief what was lost and you know, have a cry about it or, or, or so. Because that's something that is natural. It's if, 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 if there is a loss, avoiding grieving will not make that loss smaller. And it may actually feel good as to, to grieve paradoxically. I mean, good, obviously some losses are not, will not feel good ever, yes, but uh, maybe kind of more meaningful. And it may be a way of connecting with what is being lost or who is being lost, as if I allow myself grieving. So it may bring some sense of connection with that person or with with that thing that I lost or or so. I'd just like, as as we finish this conversation, Latza, I'd just like to acknowledge there may be people listening who are currently experiencing a lot of emotional pain and um, uh, express the the awareness of that and hopefully listening to this might have given some kind of insight as to to what is going on for you. That's so thank you very much for your time.
Thank you very much for having me. I, I it's really exciting to speak to Australia is from Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Ladislav Timilak is Professor of Counselling Psychology at Trinity College in Dublin, Ireland. Thank you so much for listening in. If you'd like to find out more about this podcast and the people you've heard speaking, as well as more episodes, go to our website, emotionfocused.com.